Hello guys, welcome to another episode of Sport Plus Life. Going to take, I guess for this episode and maybe a couple more, a little kind of tangent, it's still in the context of sport, but looking at health, fitness, well-being, which I think is huge when we look at kind of obesity, diabetes, mental health issues, which for me are kind of wrapped up in the whole uh, the whole concept of health and well-being and interlinked. And we've got someone on today who's got a connection with the boxing world as well as you know, myself, Ed Draper is a boxing broadcaster, sports broadcaster, got connections and uh, someone put me in touch with Dan Lawrence it was John Ryder who's a hopefully a world title contender in the next next couple of months and uh, Dan's uh, joining me now from his, his lovely flat which I appreciate you hosting me uh, Dan but how are you, you well and you call yourself a, a strength and conditioning coach primarily and boxing is an expertise but you're working across across the gambit aren't you of elite sport and and some kind of, uh, sort of I guess lay lay people as well. Firstly, Ed, thanks for having me on. Um, it's a real pleasure. And yeah, so strength conditioning coach, primarily work in boxing. So the role is head of performance and match room boxing. Uh, so work with a number of those guys, John Ryder being one of them. And uh, yeah, work in a number of different sports as well, but primarily boxing, which is really where my passion lies. Yeah, it was a bit vainglorious, our connection, because I put something on Instagram about trying to get back into weights. I got a gym membership over the winter and was going to start doing my kind of... Cl- and that's part of the reason it's great to hear from you as well. It's like a cliched routine that I've been doing for 15 years since I went to Loughborough Uni, which was du- bum- uh, uh, dumbbell press and pull-ups. And, it, you know, it was getting a bit inflated. So you got these suits at work they buy for us, which are really nice. And then um, kind of fi- find that your shoulders are bursting out of them after a few, a few too many weights. So we, got, we talked about that and how... And it basically got, it was a bit sad, actually, because you told me you had to sort of limit my calories a little bit which was the <laughs> part of the key but it was it was good to connect that way um how did you how did you first get into to strength and uh, fitness conditioning and, and everything where did you where did you start from was it through sport were you playing sport as a, as a kid yes my passion was that you're always in sport like a lot of you know trainers coaches strength conditioning coaches whatever you want to uh, give us the title of um i, I did box um did you? not to a very high standard so i had a couple of amateur bouts back in the day but that for me was a real real release at the time you know yeah. um it's yeah kept me on the straight and narrow a little bit and uh, made me find my path now and it's a big part of you know why my passion in boxing is so uh, so strong so yeah that's kind of what i what i was into and then um yeah kind of went through the the route of getting my qualifications went down the personal training route worked for virgin active for a, a long yeah. long time so i've been a coach now for 14 years and uh, it's absolutely my passion and I, I know i've chosen the right career path for it you know south west london you didn't work in the virgin gym in twickenham did you at all? I did, did you because yeah, yeah, that's weird because my wife was a member there actually no way good we, sauna good sauna there yeah. <laughs> big, big sauna, yeah we launched that in october 09 funny enough wow. so we yeah we were part of the founding team there which was uh, which was pretty cool at the time um i think they've just gone through a refurb now it looks uh, to be fair they've, they've done yeah. well with it yeah i think it's good for her because you get a lot of sort of uh, rugby cl- rugby teams coming in and, and going in there so it wasn't as good for me <laughs> but yeah <laughs> in the, uh, the big in lads the, yeah a lot of big lads um but so so what did you what decisions did you make it's interesting because ed robinson who's a producer at sky he was also a host of the toe to toe podcast which I, I hosted for a part and is a distinguished reporter he he, he had three prof, uh, professional bouts i think and he or, or definitely had amateur experience he said he was analytical about his boxing skill set and it wasn't a courage thing it was more like you know what i'm not going to to make it do you have a, a similar sort of honesty with yourself yeah there there was certainly that um definitely found, found not, not getting hit in the face yeah yeah. Uh, yeah it wasn't too keen on that to be honest but uh no there was a couple of yeah sparring occasions where people just keep me at range and you just wouldn't know how to get inside and let your hands go to be brutally honest but uh no it actually came i uh 
well, going a little bit deep, I got jumped from behind in Kingston and uh, dislocated my shoulder at a time where I had my second bout. Oh, and that for me was uh, was kind of the end of it, you know. It took a while to rehab that and that actually then led down the other path. Yeah. It's mad how certain situations happen. I think you need to take positives from negative situations and I certainly did that in this instance where I then understood the shoulder a lot more and how to rehabilitate the shoulder. And uh, yeah, that was that. That book closed and then... I don't want to say another one open because I was actually training and coaching people at that yeah. time but uh, I definitely then knew where my path was did that experience make you want to do more self-defense in a way and get get muscular or was it more a just a sense of, of re-evaluating the, the um, sport, sporting activities that was always a part of my life to be honest you know yeah. body composition aesthetics were definitely you know a byproduct of the performance goals which were the main driver at that given point you know boxing but uh, you know there's definitely been a a flip of that now it's definitely I want to be able to perform but you know aesthetics are my main yeah. main goal so it was always a big part of my life you know? it's difficult isn't it because you're you're on Instagram do some really good videos actually that I've followed and, and that's actually something that when we when we train it's an interesting thing with our smartphones do we use them positively and how do we not get text messages in the middle of working out yeah, and stuff like sure. that which can can distract you and that's that's physical and mental health but you um you quite you don't sort of go on there and pose and do bicep flexes and all this kind of <laughs> stuff you you sort of see it as an educational tool don't you Absolutely. it is actually the videos are very well cut and they're kind of obvious what you're doing and particularly um some of the kettlebell exercises have been, mm. been really good for me. So it's interesting that you do that. But it's, it's, a, it's a difficult line to tread, isn't it, that with, with being an educator, mm. but also, I guess, embodying your, your brand as well. Completely agree, Ed. It's something that, you know, I'm super passionate about is the message that I, you know, give across. And firstly, I appreciate your input there because that's how I want to be perceived on yeah, social media. Um, you haven't got your name. You perform 365 yeah, right? exactly. on Instagram. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, trying to, trying to create a brand. We're not quite there yet, but we're <laughs> getting there. Um, but yeah, you get all these... You know, all these kind of trainers who make it all about them, like you say, with the top off, the biceps, the booty picks, which, uh, yeah. you know, let's serve a purpose in certain ways, but that's not what I'm about. You know, I work in elite level sport. I'm passionate about what I do and I want to be an educator. So I think you alluded to the kettlebell workouts there. There were some simple ones I think I shot in Dubai over Christmas that yes. was how we first connected. And uh, yeah, just keep things simple in the gym. You know, you haven't got to do the flash flash <laughs> exercises for likes or take your, take your kit off to uh, to do that. You know, it's all about trying to educate people and adding a little bit of value and if people like it brilliant if not you know go and follow the booty shots <laughs> yeah well is it well definitely i mean it seems like, well, yeah all those those shots that people tend to be superficial it's like there's no yeah, actual insight into the process yeah. of what what's going on and how to uh, how to shoot that because it will be a lot of hard work but they're not really telling you telling you what that hard work mm. is um well yeah, it's interesting with the, the kettlebell revolution and crossfit and things mm. like that it seems like it's going away from general fitness, popular fitness, maybe for men, because obviously that's uh, the thing that, that we focus on. Is it's going away from the huge weights, the sort of the, the barbells, things like that. Is, do, you, do you sense that? Maybe people are looking for fluidity and being able to train here, there, and everywhere. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, everyone's different, but there's definitely been a shift. You know, the over the last sort of five or six years with the growth of CrossFit, which you know has some some negatives, but I, I believe it's been positive for the world of fitness and getting people up. Negatives about around injury are they doing, yeah, doing things dynamically that maybe you're not quite equipped to, exactly to do? Exactly that. You know, um, do people have technical competence before they're carrying out these movements with high load and high velocities and very complex exercises like Olympic lifts? The answer would yeah. probably be no. You know, if someone wants to do a snatch, you know. <laughs> a tough exercise overhead when we look at what what do people struggle with on a day-to-day basis or what do people do on a day-to-day basis well they sit hunched over computers uh, or on their phones or driving cars so they're going to be pretty immobile and they can't get overhead unloaded so do yeah. we then want to add super heavy loads and high velocities and complex movements to those patterns probably not we joke around saying you know cr- the growth of crossfit was uh the chiropractors and physios were laughing because it made their business better as well but jokes aside 
CrossFit for me is very positive. I actually work in a CrossFit box. Yeah. Um, it's incredible for communities getting do you need a bit more time to do the technique first you think that's, yeah, a, that's sure. important yeah. and some do it very very well certain boxes uh, so sorry a box is a gym a crossfit box um you know they coach you through the processes and they'll coach you through olympic lifts to make sure you are competent at those movements before you then maybe get exposed to a, a class-based environment but the benefits of crossfit you know i don't want to go too <laughs> you know i'm going to get all the crossfit fans coming at me now but uh, too far down the crossfit rabbit hole is that uh, you know it's such a good community it's um, people feed off each other. It's incredibly competitive, and it gets the normal person to almost feel like they're an athlete. There is, you know, mm. real competitive uh, elements. They've crossed the games, so, don't they? Oh, yeah, yeah, those yeah. Are, I don't know if you've seen it on Netflix, elite. but they are. Yeah, they, they're the elite. You know, they're incredible. <laughs> um, so yeah. Well, no, it's it's a, it's a it's an interesting area that when it comes to working with the boxers, John Ryder was the. The crossover for us and he mm. he's a guy that we talked about with weight he sort of went up to super middleweight and typically it's interesting the stereotype of how people looked at him so i worked with darren barker as well i worked with uh, tony sims the same gym and they looked at him and they said well darren's six foot he's a middleweight you're five foot ten nine mm. or whatever you should be a middleweight as well but it's actually about body composition and more like how mm. were you part of that evolution for him going up in weights and, and that journey yeah there was um i think john knew in him Prior to meeting me, he knew in himself that he, you know, he wasn't equipped to make middleweight and be. It's not just making weight, is it? You know, no. working elite sport, we're trying to perform. You know, making weight's one part. But the guy's like, the guy's granite. If you like bump into him, he's oh, like yeah. literally just yeah, set. Isn't sure. he? Muscle weighs a lot, and his his Definitely. his genetics seem to be heavy. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, John's yeah kind of somatotyping structure is the fact that he will you know if he lifts heavy loads and things he, he'd be prone to putting on a bit of muscle whereas other people's body types won't so uh, I think his nickname is uh, the gorilla and it's very fitting <laughs> he's very force dominant he's incredibly strong um, you know we're working on making him even more reactive than he than he is uh, at the moment to uh, make him a better fighter so um, yeah John is definitely found his weight now super middleweight and he doesn't you don't need me to tell you that just look at his last few fights he's yeah. been you know knocking people out and looking great and hopefully having a huge fight coming up uh, very soon so with, with someone like john when you're doing weights and you're doing um strength and conditioning mm. in not terms of not putting on weight is it because mm. we, we had a guy on the podcast called gareth evans who plays rugby for gloucester and he said all they're doing is a lot of you know three reps yep. top weight <clears throat> power stuff mm. not the kind of traditional stereotype eight to twelve yep. reps kind of build is it, is it like that for boxers that you work with or is it again nuanced across the, the different guys and the different weights yeah very very good point Ed and yeah very similar to the, to the rugby guys we look at we do a needs analysis of the sport identify the key components that are going to improve that athlete uh, and then we structure accordingly to, to hit those you know strength speed power being a, a big three there so yeah we do have to be mindful um, energy balance comes into it in terms of the nutritional intervention you know how much they're consuming um, that you know obviously it, it, too much muscle is going to be detrimental to them even making weight before yeah. they can fight especially <laughs> if a fighter is prone to building muscle like, like John so yeah in terms of reps schemes without doubt we're looking at kind of one to threes three to fives 80 85 percent of one rm one rep max uh, so we're looking to lift heavy we're looking to get what we call neural based adaptations um, instead of kind of peripheral muscular based adaptations so we don't want to <laughs> if we've got a continuum and we've got 
going on holiday to Ibiza, yeah. Mykonos, wherever you may be going, a beach holiday. <laughs> well, I saw you, him in Tenerife, actually. Ah, uh, yeah, he said. Stay, stay off he the said, buffet, yeah. Yeah, he said, yeah. yeah. He, he said to me, I was leaving, actually, the hotel that day, and he said, oh, we, shame we could have gone for a road run. It was like something like 20 miles. I was like, well, it's okay. He yeah, did allude to that, yeah. Shame that th- 30 degrees, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, well, sorry, as I was saying there, if you've got kind of building muscle on one of the continuum or looking good on a beach... Um, and then the other end of the continuum would be, you know, performance. Um, and that's where we, we don't want that type of adaptation. So we don't want this kind of cellular swelling or the pump yeah. that you might get from training. We want, yeah, more... more Just strength. Stability. Absolutely. Which are more neural-based adaptations for sure. So, uh, so yeah, the lower reps, higher load, generally speaking, is what we're looking for. Uh, it's, really, it's, it's fascinating, that aspect to it. And um, what do you think about, you mentioned the running there, the, the sort of stereotype of as a health and fitness for a boxer, the stereotype is you get up at 5 a.m. Mm. and you do all this road running <laughs> and you know, you kind of, I don't know, eat, eat raw eggs at 7 a.m. and then, and then yeah, and then train eight times a day and then yeah. whatever. It, do, you, do, you, do you think, I mean, that, that again is the interplay with, with body and mind, isn't it? That yeah. There's a psychological aspect that people have said to me in the past that it's about getting up in the morning when it's cold and, and pushing yourself because then mm. it, it helps you psychologically when you're in the trenches in the, in the ring. What's your, what's your take on road running per se? Yeah, again, awesome, awesome question there, Ed, and it's something that we, um, yeah, we talk about quite a bit in terms of stress management. Um, sometimes less is more, especially with these fighters. I'll answer your question. And I'll go into yeah, that no, a little go bit for more it. in depth. But yeah, road running's fine. Um, you know what we've got to be looking at. Road running is a means to an end goal. The end goal we're looking at the bioenergetic demands of the sport. So what are we trying to achieve? What is your why? Um, so if you're doing road running to influence whatever energy system you're trying to influence, then absolutely fine. Um, but we've got to look at the key components of the sport. And boxing is, if we're referring to boxing, yeah. um, you know, it's, it's a sport interspersed of high intensity bouts, you know, repeated high intensity efforts. We're doing a slow, low intensity road run. doesn't really mimic the demands of that given sport. Just a ba- is it a base level? But it's then you a base imagine level, yeah. they kind of would have that anyway usually if they've been been in camps absolutely they should have that without doubt it will build your aerobic fitness for sure look it's good for you're definitely getting some kind of mental benefits there um your yeah in terms of physiological benefits we there's better ways to reach that goal you know like we say it's keep the goal the goal and yeah. also you know pounding concrete let's reference john you know John's what twenty nine, and I think he's just turned thirty. You know, um, we looked at Carl Froch and I think Mayweather. They, these guys who were hammering the concrete for years, they then changed. Uh, they, yeah, they're in the pool. They were Flat, doing Vladimir the Klitschko, stuff. I think went there to you go. the pool base. Yeah, and that says a lot because in essence, we're not getting any. What benefit are we getting from pounding the concrete? I think everything we do as a strength and conditioning coach we base it on the risk versus reward continuum. We look at the risk of an exercise and the reward of an exercise. So we can still get a good stimulus in terms of energy systems from you know maybe the assault yeah. bike and other means in the gym than pounding away at the concrete that might have a negative impact on uh, on other areas, you know? Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? That, that body maintenance, because we've got a neighbor next to me who actually used to do a lot of running and he, he loved it and ran marathons and now he's had two knee operations. So it's, 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 it's tough, isn't it? Because there's a lot, there's a lot of, attraction going through it but it is a boxing stereotype to oh, do long sure. road runs and it's something that we've been I say we've been fighting for years it's definitely something we've been trying to educate the people for years involved in boxing you know and that's quite tough going against uh, some of the sort of older school methods and old school boxing coaches though the ones I work with have been really open to what we're trying to achieve with the guys but in essence to answer your initial question um, without the specifics of running you know we're trying to manage stress you said about you know joking like tongue in cheek yeah. eight times a day and all that training 
Um, you know, what are we trying to do? We provide a stressor upon the system in the form of training. We then recover, we then adapt. And what we're trying to do is chase adaptations, positive adaptations to improve these athletes so they can transfer the skills that we give them, the qualities that we improve in the ring. That is what we're trying to do. So in essence, if all we do is apply stress, but we don't allow adequate recovery time, we're yeah. not eliciting, eliciting these positive adaptations. It's interesting because I was chatting to Matthew Macklin the other day at, mm. at, at Sky and he was saying that his fight when he got stopped by Highland in 2014 mm. towards the end of his career, he said, before that, he said, you always have this doubt as a boxer that I'm not doing enough, I'm not doing enough. Mm. And he felt that probably in hindsight, he just overtrained. And that's yeah. a big issue because he felt absolutely gassed in the, yeah. in the fight. And he said that was an issue because obviously you're preparing to go to battle. You mm. you don't want to be undertrained, but, yeah. it's, it's, but that's where I guess you guys have to have to really be given that trust and control. Completely agree, Ed. Yeah, and that's a very good point. It's something that we commonly see in, in boxing, especially because, you know, these guys will always want to do more. They look, look, essentially, it's a sport where you've got one man against another, or one woman yeah. against another woman. Um, and uh, they'll run through walls for you. They really will. But in essence, the, f the first thing I did when I went to, to the matchroom gym was firstly observe what they currently do, and secondly say, okay, I can get a quick win from actually pulling back and that's very hard you have to educate the fight they have to you have to earn their trust to say whoa, whoa why why don't i yeah. want to do that run am i i'm going to miss out well again what is your why why are you doing that what are we trying to achieve from that are you getting that from boxing so the two things that i, that I did when i first went there was pull back a little bit you know prioritize sleep prioritize recovery and ask each fighter to purchase a heart rate monitor so we can actually have a look at what they're achieving wow. from their boxing sessions so then we can then say well look that runs doing X and you're actually getting that stimulus from that, you know? Yeah. So we don't need that extra stress. Because you want to be in a higher zone because actually, I, you said talk about steady state running, you actually mm. probably be in a higher yeah. heart rate than when you're, when you're boxing and you would be doing that, right? Is that, yeah, yeah generally? Yeah, boxing's like 90%, man. Like, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, we call it the red zone, you know? If anyone's got a polar heart rate yeah. and they've got polar B, have a little look. So yeah, if, <laughs> they, they spend a well, lot pretty, of time It's pretty motivating when a guy's in front of you trying to hit you. you yeah. Know, I suppose it's not, you're not going to take it easy <laughs> and, uh, and have, a, have a low heart rate no, for, exactly. for sure. And that's that's interesting. The sleep thing as well, because that's supposed to be big in society for for average people as well, isn't it? Because you always hear these stories. Of people, oh, the only time I can work out is I go to the gym at three in the morning or something. And you think, but that that again has a short short shelf life, doesn't it? I use um, yeah, it does. I use a volcano analogy, Ed. So like the build up, you know, you get this build up. You might get away with it for a couple of weeks, three weeks. You might still get away with it, but it's building up, and then eventually the volcano erupts. Yeah. Um, and that's that. That's the whole. I'm overtraining, you know, like you said, maybe Matthew Macklin there, um, getting niggles, getting injuries, you know, coming run down, your immune system function coming, uh, being an issue. And uh, and that's when you haven't managed stress, you know, and that's when, you know, sleep might be affected. I think it doesn't help with these things like men's health. Mark Wahlberg did one. He was like, oh, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm up at 2 a.m. Yeah. Like, and it's like, come on. Did you check out Ryan Reynolds did a joke copy of that? And it was like something about like, how he puts his kids in the uh, the celebrity kind of kennel for kids. And right. then, he, then he cries in front of a stranger. And it was like his <laughs> breakdown of his routine. But yeah, oh, Wahlberg was up at 2.30. Praise, yeah. praise for 45 minutes. Worked out for three hours. Man. And then... They had things planned at times when, like, you know, family time at 11 in the morning. You thought, well, surely your kids are at school yeah, <laughs> at 11 well, in the morning. I don't know when. Yeah, wrote <laughs> that, yeah. Yeah, is it? But it's, yeah, but that is that. But that's a, a typical. I mean, you've worked with women, maybe less women, but that's mm. a blokey thing, is it? Try and challenge yourself, go to extremes, or maybe that's not actually in your, in your best interest. Definitely. And that's where we come in as professionals is to advise these guys, um, you know, when to pull back. And thankfully, my lot are really good at that. But um, like I say, I think boxing, let's specifically talk boxing, um, you know, for, or let's, 
talk yeah. boxing and football. Well, football is kind of on the other end of the spectrum. You know, you've got to motivate these guys, tell them to work, you know, educate them on why they want to be lifting heavy weights, you know, to improve force well, is it, is it, It's weird football because there's so much money into it now, but it's mm. almost, it always makes me laugh when Arsene Wenger was, was seen as a revolutionary for not letting them go out drinking a couple yeah. of nights before a game. It was almost like, why don't we think, well, these guys at the time were probably earning really good money, elite level sport heroes. Mm. And yet it was sort of like, oh, what, you, you can't drink and, and eat fish and chips every, every meal and stuff. And it was, but isn't that amazing that but that's coming but you think football still has to it's kind of got that anti-school culture hasn't it like you don't want to learn it's like it's, it's off the cuff it's mm. natural is it still that's still there is it do you think I think yeah with with football from, from what I've seen in, in football for sure you know these are incredibly talented individuals who are getting paid a lot of money um, and not just at the very top level you know even at the slightly lower levels yeah. they're still getting paid a lot championship of money. as well particularly yeah, in England absolutely. Yeah. Uh, you know life-changing money and um, all they would have probably done you know, things are changing, would have been played football, you know, they'd give them a, a little bit of kind of lifting and, and other work in the gym to complement that. But uh, generally speaking from, you know, the ones I've worked with and seen and spoken to a lot of practitioners who work in, in football especially, um, is, you know, listen to a podcast the other day, is like they do beach weights, you know, and that's not going to improve, back to what I said earlier about the, what we're trying to improve on the Beach weights is vanity stuff, yeah. yeah, yeah exactly, yeah. that's not going to improve performance, you know, it might help with a load of other things in terms of, you know, building confidence, etc., which are great, um, but, you know, why not focus on the key fundamentals that are going to improve performance and then give them a little dose of that at the end of the session of, you know, let's hit the guns and get them out, get them out of there. To <laughs> but it's, it's interesting to say hit the guns because when Pep Guardiola goes to a club, apparently, he just wants everyone to be really light, doesn't he? That's his because they mm. have to run and sprint so much. That's an, an interesting. Have you seen that? Have you seen that trend in in football? Because it seems like their body shape has gone one way in rugby players since they went pro has gone completely the other way. Yeah, I think um, that's a continental thing. I haven't watched the Pep documentary on Amazon. I've heard really yeah. great things of that. But um, you know, Sari came out with those ludicrous comments, and it may have been a language barrier. I don't know. But uh, a couple of months ago, about you know. Well, these they don't lift weights on the pitch. Why are they lifting weights in the gym? Which is just super uneducated, you know. And I, I hope it was a language barrier, but uh, that caused a bit of uproar in kind of our community, uh, the strength and conditioning. Well, it's about preparing community. the body for stress, isn't yeah, it? Because actually, build you realise elite level sport is over stress of the the body, really. Absolutely. And we're not saying you know we have to get these guys lifting super heavy weights five days a week, but give them a little bit of a stimulus to build those qualities that then complement the main thing, and the main thing being their sport. So. Yeah. How much? That's an interesting point, actually, because I suppose they they are busy. They might have two or three games a week, or a boxer's got other aspects, or or you know, people at home who are looking to work out. Yeah, is it is it just smart work? Is that the key, really, rather mm. than sort of trying to devote hours and hours of your day? Because if you have got families and stuff, mm. it's it, it can be quite you know what was virtuous can become quite selfish if you spend too much time time on it. Absolutely, yeah. Look, smart work always wins. Um, so adding some structure and planning to your programming and what you do on a daily basis is is key. My favourite quote: If one does not know to which port one is sailing, no wind is favourable. You've got to have a plan. <laughs> yeah. But in the same breath, listen, don't be a pussy, you know, we, we still want to work hard, but <laughs> yeah. uh, we can dose you and, uh, you know, ha- put those in at the right time. If you've got a game on Saturday and you're a footballer, we're not going to then give you a hard, high stress session on a Friday. You know, that might be on a Tuesday that gives you sufficient recovery yeah. time for your game on Saturday. So you just got to be smart and look at the macro, not the micro. So look at the overall week or month or calendar season, whatever, and then strategically plan what you're trying to achieve in those little blocks and windows. How much with boxing goes on with because you know I've always fascinated by it because you cover other sports and you know that, that it's all about elite plan of, of strength and conditioning of nutrition of aerobic CV work whatever it might be to, to peak but in boxing you do all this and then there's a huge concern the week of the fight about the weight mm. typically or can be when it's not managed how how important is weight how much front and center is it in your mind during the during a camp. 
yeah, it's incredibly important because if you don't factor it in, you're not fighting. So um, yeah. uh, in the same breath as well, like if we're trying to um, build all these physical qualities um, and then you've put an improper weight-making strategy in place come fight week, then all these qualities aren't going to be reaching their peak if your fighter is going into the ring and they're, you know, they, they've crashed a huge amount of weight at the, at the end yeah. of camp. So that is a huge part of the overall process without doubt because in essence, these qualities aren't going to be, yeah, aren't going to be achieved if you, if you don't make weight in the correct manner. Yeah, because there's been a few things around hydration recently that people have been trying to do and kind mm. of, does it sort of go dry and then rehydrate or there's, there's complicated aspects to it but it doesn't sound necessarily like a balanced no. approach <laughs> yeah people have their own ways of doing that for sure um you know thankfully i work with a guy a uh, friend and colleague scott robinson who's very very good works with a lot of the boxers um and put strategies in place around that for sure people have their own ways of you know water loading and cutting and etc yeah. but yeah just seek out a professional if you are at that elite level is what i'd, what I'd probably and say. you work with a nutritionist as well all the time for to tailor plans absolutely yeah that's that's scott's he's a, he's a performance nutritionist exactly and uh, and some other guys i work with as well but yeah definitely i think uh, having a team knowing knowing your strengths as a practitioner but also knowing your weaknesses and there's there's others who are, are better uh, suited because uh, to certain areas like nutrition um to to improve the athlete which is essentially why we're doing this it's trying to figure out metabolisms as well isn't it for you guys and, and what workload and nutritional side of it because it's, it's fascinating joe rogan's podcast with deontay mm. wilder and he's saying in there that they've been trying to get him up to 245 pounds and he's like 210 he said he, he went down to 200 pounds for the fight against fury in the end because he lost weight in between the weigh-in and the uh and the actual fight and he said right. it was nervous energy and he's got a really high metabolism mm. so that's i mean that's i suppose if you had a boxer like that it, it adds a whole different shine on it if they're then doing heavy work they have to be eating a lot there as well. you go yeah exactly that we look at the basic kind of thermodynamics and uh, energy balance you know if we want to look at it in a simplistic way as calories in calories out are you fueled for the demands of what you're trying to achieve and when yeah. you spoke about john in terms of somatotype his body type said you know if he looks at weights he'll put on, put on muscle <laughs> and we have to be quite smart with the intervention we make from a weights point of view we look at someone like Deontay Wilder well he'd be he'd be very different he'd be what we call an ectomorph you know yeah. a, a hard gainer he'd have to eat a hell of a lot uh, you know to build muscle he's got incredibly long levers um, so you know you, you've just got to deal with the athlete that presents itself in front of you at that given moment in time so you have to be smart with the nutrition intervention for Deontay for sure if he especially if you want to take him to would you say 245 yeah I mean I don't know whether that would actually benefit him too much whether that would effect is, is, is you know you gotta yeah. Weigh that up, yeah yeah i think maybe he's but this was maybe he's just uh spitballing maybe he won't maybe yeah. he won't do that <laughs> what do you make of people like um like anthony joshua who's obviously got this body beautiful is that i mean there must be a temptation i suppose when when ego comes into it for for guys to to look good and, and how that interplays because you, as you said yourself sometimes you know what when we look good don't necessarily mean we're the most mm. most uh performing before high performing i think again keep the goal the goal uh, if you're referring to Anthony uh, Anthony Joshua, then well, he says it's genetics, doesn't he? Yeah, says, yeah. Oh, without that, again, he'd look at a way and he'd adapt. But um, <laughs> with Anthony, he's like, okay, what is the goal? Well, the goal's performance. You know, aesthetics are a byproduct of performance. So for someone like him, an elite level athlete, as with any of my guys, look, they look flipping amazing on the scales. In fact, they could be on the front cover of Men's Health magazine. <laughs> it's not why I've trained them, and that's not the key qualities that yeah. we've tried to achieve. It's just a byproduct of what we've done. The main thing is those qualities that I mentioned in terms of performance, strength, speed, power, and others. Um, and yeah, look, if they look good on the scales, then great. And that might give them some confidence. But uh, I then care about them looking good on the scales, rehydrating, and then performing in the ring and getting their arm raised. That's all I really care about. 
if you work with any heavyweights because it's a different not having that limit suddenly it opens up any possibility really doesn't it yeah yeah I, I haven't funny be, enough be interesting to it do would, that. it would be interesting for sure because um, the question is they have is what is my optimum weight which could be anything well again in reference to Anthony Joshua there was a couple of times when I think you know he probably came in a little bit heavy for a couple of fights um, yeah probably four or five fights ago I can't recall was it Carlos Takam there was May, some May suggestion. Fight. I think it was a Takam fight. Was, was it? He was he was preparing for Pulev, I think. Yes. Takam was a late announcement, I and I think maybe it was one. sense that he ended up fighting. You know, someone who maybe he wanted to be lighter and more mm. mobile for, but they prepared yeah, for different. Definitely. Again, you got to look at the quality. So mass times acceleration equals force. So you know, if if he is heavier, that might put him at advantage in terms of how much force he can reduce. But in the same breath, is that then going to mean? He's going to slow him down a little bit. Carry so you around. just need to, and also the energy system demands of having that carrying that extra load. So yeah, you've got to weigh it up, man. Yeah, no. It's, 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 what would your general principles be? Because it is sensitive when you when you when you're speaking to the public, and I'm interested in it. I spoke to Harry Thompson at Number One Fitness in London about mm. possibly doing a course on the side because I did a sports science degree and interested in in fitness. When you're putting messages out, because there's obviously concern over mental health, and there's this body image people being overly conscious about the body image. But it's a difficult balance, isn't it? Because you don't want to celebrate things like obesity and, and eating certain foods, which people say in the, in the moment give them pleasure slash happiness and then ultimately lead to a lot of ill health down the, down the line. It's a, it's a tricky one, isn't it? Yeah, it's definitely a balancing act. Um, I'm, not for, I'm not one for saying no to any food, you know. I think if it makes someone happy, then, you know, I'm all for it. But uh, again, you just need to be quite smart and identify what that individual wants and what makes them happy. You know, some people might be happier slightly overweight, and that's absolutely yeah. fine. I know me, on a, I can only speak for myself on a personal level. You know, training for me is my medicine, it's my release. Um, it allows me to be productive throughout the day and allows me to execute my daily tasks. Um, also, managing what I what I eat is a part of that. And I suppose, yeah. <laughs> you know, if I'm rocking up to seventy people <laughs> and I'm massively yeah, yeah, overweight, yeah. I don't know. Maybe that's gonna. Uh, I think the substance that comes out of my mouth might not be, uh, yeah, they might not take it on board as much. But for me, it's just a huge part of it. But listen, if you know eating crap makes you happy and makes you feel feel good, then so be it. But it's not, yeah, not. No, it's interesting when you look at the, the stats, isn't it? Like obesity's up, type two diabetes, um, depression, mental health. Is that is that all part of a, a bigger picture of ill health? You think it's all connected? I really do. Yeah, I really do. I've. Uh, I, I'm big on that. I'm big on you know formulating habits and structure on a daily routine. And again, I use I said it a bit tongue in cheek there, but exercise is my medicine and training is my medicine and my release. And uh, I, I do believe it's linked to that. I had a couple of yeah. days I got got hit by a motorbike about oh, four weeks ago. <laughs> and, was uh, that stepping out of the office, or stepping out of the gym, or was... yeah, a car let me go and motorbike wiped me out. But anyway, whose oh, who's wow. fault it was? Well, yeah, yeah well, I don't know. But anyway, but. Um, I had a couple of days sitting where we are now with my, you know, resting up. There's only so much blooming Netflix you can watch and yeah. books you can read. And I was just like, no, this this is not for me. It's really affected my outlook. Um, I can't train. I can't do X and Y. You know, I was on crutches. I was then, you know, for the nature of what I do, I don't get paid by anyone unless I turn up and, and yeah. deliver these sessions. Um, so I was, you know, going around London on crutches. And then, you know, my, my big thing, Ed, is adapt and overcome. And that's something like a message I've tried to put across over social media over the last few weeks is you can always do something and work around an injury. Because for me, again, on a personal level, training is the answer to a lot of, uh, yeah, a lot of things. Because your body moving creates endorphins, which then yeah. affect your mind, which affect your mood and actually affect your thoughts, don't they? It's, it's amazing to think that. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Obviously, yeah. We know the positive uh, kind of hormonal benefits we get through exercise, and in essence, I think that that was literally putting the nail on the head there. Ed is uh, what was going on with me. I just needed to move. I needed to train because it was such an integral part of my life um, in terms of me being productive. 
with the boxers, with people like John Ryder, you're going to minute detail of, of strength and conditioning coaching. When people are starting out, maybe thinking, I am a bit depressed. And it's interesting, I think the more depressed you are, apparently the, the more influential exercises in, in helping you. But obviously it's a bit daunting to maybe look at Performance 365 on, on Instagram mm. and think, oh, I don't know how to use a kettlebell. I don't mm. want to go to a gym because my body image issues. And I don't want to go out and socialise because I feel depressed. Mm. Is it just little stuff is it little starts mm. maybe walking around the block and then you kind of walk another street and then you yeah. maybe break into a jog and then you do a few press-ups is that is it just incremental stuff absolutely small wins um funny enough i did a post today i know we keep referencing instagram but for me I, I put a message out there of you know adapt and overcome you can do stuff even when you're injured and a, a couple of my things was look i've just managed to reach 90 degrees of knee flexion i'm actually able to bend yeah, my leg yeah, you show me that. that yeah that's a small win for me i was then able to do you know an exercise where i was standing on the bad leg that's a small win and then small wins over time can become consistent habits again executed over time then before you know it you're feeling great you're executing these things and they become a huge part of your life so yeah in essence what i'd say to people who are thinking about embarking on the journey you know don't feel daunted there's a million people who are in the same position as you um start and keep things simple um do something and then yeah. build that habit you know it, it you know it would take a while to build the habit but just start to just start <laughs> yeah no it certainly is it, and it kind of does it does build upon itself and then maybe when you get to a certain level you, you maybe need a coach because you start to plateau and you need advice from a professional like yourself what is it like when you when you work with clients be it professional boxers mm. or other athletes or even you know average people in the street regular people not average people normal people who aren't professional athletes do they when they're not necessarily doing what you want mm. them to do or you're not sure they're eating the right foods away from where they're training and maybe not sleeping enough things like that how difficult a conversation is that because you almost although they're paying you for your service you have to be a bit of an enforcer don't you to a certain extent say mm. well actually not going to get the results that i promised you if you're not going to yeah. do it it's a, it's a trust situation is it it is it's a standard and trust situation well they say you can only lead a horse to water you can't make it drink but in the same breath i have incredibly high standards as a coach um this is my passion this is my life and i only embark on projects where people are willing to actually you know at least meet me halfway yeah um, so i put some some structure and systems in place i've started with a young young guy at the moment who's you know he, he's been in the gym before may, maybe hasn't trained in the right way um we do believe without going too in depth that training is going to be the answer to a lot of things for him from both a physical and mental point of view yeah um so we are putting some systems in place for that even i've even gone out and bought him a blimmin calendar with a load of stickers around my big rocks five <laughs> different colors big rocks being sleep training nutrition neat non-exercise activity thermogenesis how many steps he's doing per day and just all he'll do is put a sticker on the day as to whether he's achieved that and then before you know it a couple of months in this is just becoming habitual and now you know his body composition is changing we do his body fat test uh, once a month um and he's feeling great and his productivity has gone through the roof at university as well so um yeah i think just just i have standards um you know but there, there has to be a, an element of the client wanting it as well you know yeah. it can't be all one-way traffic because you know the relationship won't won't end positively it's all holistic you're looking at that you're looking at sleep so you have you, you take a client be it a professional athlete or not and you, you, you look at the whole life the whole package do yeah. you and things like that because it's, inter it's interesting for me because one of the challenges of, of being a sports presenter at Sky is that we have different shift patterns you know sometimes do early sometimes we're weeks on lates and, and things like that because you know you, you get through a stage of beating yourself up and thinking everything you read is about routine you have to go to bed at the same time wake up at the same time and actually you think well sometimes you know I'm not I'm not going to get up at six because I've been in bed at two so I'm yeah. going to I'm going to lie in it's and it's I suppose it is just being flexible within having a base pattern of, of, a, of a routine exactly Ed you know it's not going to fit fit like that for everyone I think generally we need some like you say some structure 
around it, but things things happen and we need to be able to, again, adapt and overcome. But you do need some big markers in place. So I have something I call my big rocks, uh, which are training, nutrition, sleep, and hydration or, or recovery. And uh, you know, if we can get those big rocks in place, then we're gonna we're gonna be improving. So uh, yeah, adapt around your own situation. Um, you know, whether if you're doing shift work and things like that, then that's obviously yeah. going to change. What I would say is, you know, if one night you're you you know you're working till midnight, you don't get to bed till say two a.m. for example, yeah. um, then just try and try and build some consistency into your routine. Like I wouldn't then yeah, like you say, be getting up at four a.m. Then it, like you just mm. got to be smart with it. So generally speaking, if you can try and get around seven hours sleep a night, obviously sleep quality is a big thing as well. Then you're going to be all right. Yeah, it's interesting. What's since becoming a parent as well? Because my daughter's four, still gets to the bed with us, and she right. kind of like gives me a little uh, tap. But you do it's things you have to have to factor in. You also mm. think sometimes if I have to do something for her, I can't do the early morning workout which you want to do. It's it's interesting because you, mm. your your life has to has to come into account with it with the whole thing. When you when yeah when people when you look at kind of general just health tips for people, what about nutrition? Because obviously you're not a specialized nutritionist yourself, but you've got a very keen sense of it. Is it things like eating whole foods generally things that you know what they are rather than things with a, li- a long list of ingredients that are packaged and processed is that is that a good tip i'm not sure what, yeah, what you think for sure you know um again i won't won't go too in depth on that but just some basic markers without doubt it that's that, you know that's definitely something that's smart you know you can look at you know did it come from the ground sort of paleo way mm. um again people have their own do own you have a philosophy you yeah yeah like you say the processed stuff you know though i do eat some of it um it's again having your it's like the 80 20 rule you yeah. know so um <laughs> you can have a little bit of crap because that might keep you keep you sane and uh yeah uh, and kind of get advice or something, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly you know and I, I certainly have a, have a few things like that but uh, again if you're looking at okay if your goal if you're going a bit deeper it depends what your goal is if your goal is body composition then we need to be looking at energy balance if you're eating a tub of hagen a night yeah and your goal is to lose fat well that's probably not aligned <laughs> with that goal you know um but yeah generally speaking look I, I eat a lot of fish i eat a lot of veggies and uh and yeah look it, it, again i think that feeds into what so do you I'm follow a paleo diet do you? um no not necessarily um but that's probably yeah i do veer down that route for sure to be um, completely sort of committed seems almost it's quite restrictive in a sense is that it. it can and, make it difficult when you're out and about and that's the perfect word to use it in terms of diet we don't want it being restrictive because it's not going to be sustainable over a period of time so yeah. that's why I, th- I kind of alluded to it earlier if you want it have it but be sure to understand it understand how it makes you feel and is it aligned with what you're trying to achieve you know? yeah it's funny things with actually weight and we talked about about that and i wanted to lose a little bit of weight and actually when you do cut and my little brother has got a low metabolism he actually always talks about it so if he cuts out bread mm. you know people typically would have eggs for breakfast but yeah. have toast with it mm. so if he has half a piece of toast or you know cuts out toast suddenly that those little things make a big difference the sort of baked goods seem mm. a huge one for a lot of people completely agree and it's, it's so on point, I'm going to send uh, send my client this podcast because I've got a, a new guy, a new client, Jean, who uh, who's French. As yeah. you probably tell them. Oh right, yeah. So he and uh, we like the like croissant in the morning. Bread, yeah. yeah, and we've actually, as much as I said, don't be restrictive, but we had to make an intervention on that um, to say, look, let's take bread out of your diet. Let's see how you feel. <laughs> well, it's a lot of calories and doesn't fill you up, does it? No, exactly. The... So we've just got yeah. on some like Rivita um, kind of rice at 39 calorie rice cakes instead. So just a, a little thing like that can yeah. be a, a quick win. And then we see, okay, let's do that over a period of time, see whether your body composition changes. And that for him has worked really well. 
Yeah, it's not it's not quite the buttery croissant. We'll see how Jean gets on with that. Uh, with exactly. that, maybe we have one once a week on a, on a Sunday <laughs> exactly. or something like that. But alcohol is a huge one for everyone, isn't it? Both in terms yeah. of it's a depressant and mm. and also it's uh, it's a lot of calories in it. Doesn't it, is it true that your body needs to burn that before it can burn anything else? Is, or it's a, a lot of calories in it. Yeah, the calories um, essentially it's dead calories. You know, you might get some uh, some benefits from it. You know, in terms of a release, which. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> reference to Jean, he, he likes his red wine. So that, that was the compromise. Listen, you sack off the croissants and you're allowed your glass of red wine. Yeah, but yeah. Um, yeah, look, it's dead calories. Again, it just depends what your goal is. You know, if your goal is to just maybe lose a little bit of fat and or whatever, then yeah, maybe you can get away with the alcohol. But again, is it completely aligned with, you know, I, I train people who are either athletes who obviously won't touch it, um, at least not in camp, or I train people who are actually really willing to give and want to achieve a specific body composition goal. So I'll have to advise to say that that's not aligned with that goal. If you need a little bit of a release, we can strategically plan that at certain points or go and enjoy a dinner and a couple of glasses of wine. That's absolutely fine. But you know, if you're having a bottle of red every night, then that's obviously, again, it goes back to yeah. the hog and dice thing. It's like, it's not going to, you're not going to achieve anything from that's that. That's your mind and body and sense of well-being as yeah. well, isn't it? And that's going to affect, affect, you, affect your sleep as well. Like yeah, definitely. Without doubt. Plays into the the whole picture when you work with the elite athletes what about age and how that plays into factor with boxers and, and how you push them is that is that something you factor in because I know that Dave Colwell talks about Tony Bellew and mm. although he's very productive in the gym towards the end said he had to be you know kind of respectful of the fact he was he was 35 36 definitely again you you've got to deal with each athlete and each individual in front of you at that given time and if you know like you say they are 35 36 or you know they've been through a load of hard fights then you need to you need to factor that into their training because again exercise and training is a stressor placed upon the system if they're not recovering and adapting then you need to again make an intervention so something that we have you know certain guys might have uh, if they've got Achilles problems or you know age might catch up with them then do we want them pounding the concrete or doing their sprint work then we, we might be able to then yeah. say let's jump on the bike and get a similar um, adaptation from that you know you just need to train smart and train for the individual that presents itself in front of you yeah Roger Federer talks about sleep being more important as he's got older it's kind of like he sleeps more apparently yeah do you think that's, is that relevant yeah well that age recovery for sure we, um, we advise some of our guys you know if they're training two or three times a day um, I know Conor Ben does it he has 30 minute naps at certain points yeah. throughout the day um, again we've got to be quite careful in terms of your circadian rhythm um, and affecting sleep you don't want to go into a deep sleep at that given point or anything over I think 30-40 minutes can actually be detrimental to the bigger picture um, but yeah 30 minute power nap can, uh, can work pretty well Good. Any any final tips you want to give Dan before you uh, just general tips for people? And the, I suppose the psychology of working with boxers is, is interesting, isn't it? Because presumably they are competitive. It's it's just managing them with the sort of like average people. It's about galvanising with boxers. It's mm. probably keeping a lid on it, is it? But, That's so so well put to close there, Ed. Absolutely. You know, like I say, these guys will run through in reference to boxers. These guys will run through walls for you pull back on those people generally speaking you get a bit of a win but the other people general population clients who have goals and need to be motivated you know that's why we're why we're here as well so in essence uh, a couple of closing tips would be you know if you're looking to embark on a, an exercise program or training journey is keep it simple do the basics very well whether that be squat lunge hinge push pull a bit of cardio don't induce your body upon too much stress don't think you're going to reach the summit before climbing the mountain is what i'd say <laughs> gradually apply more stress upon the system so you keep adapting um, but yeah keep it simple and look if you need to seek a coach um, but you'd recommend a coach wouldn't you for, for I, when you get to a certain I, I level because you've I been mean, just talking to you now mm. it's lots of expertise you, you left me you a know, whatsapp voice message via mm. john 
that helped me massively and that's that's literally 30 seconds so the thought of what someone like you can do in a you know a concentrated period of time is is uh, doesn't you know beg a belief really. oh, I appreciate that yeah look we, we do we do add structure um it's i do i advise everyone to have a coach but the right coach again so once you feed through the crap on instagram you can uh, i'm <laughs> sure find some some pretty passionate and you know well-versed individuals who actually care about and have your best interests at heart so uh, yeah, I would advise. What's that balance like for you though? Because you give away free content on there. Mm. Do you feel that that's it's a quid pro quo? It's 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 positive marketing for you. It's actually helping people as well. But obviously, you're not getting paid for that. How mm. does how do you feel that that balance? Yeah, um, yes. Yeah, so again, a good a good point. My main my main thing Ed, is add value. You know, I don't mind it. I it helps me as a coach. It helps me engage with other practitioners. Um, it helps you know me engage with with an audience. Um, so yeah, I just try and add as much value as possible. Yeah, there's no monetary uh, reward from that at that given point. But, but then it's again, marketing as well, isn't it? Awareness, it, it's I guess. Free marketing, free yeah. awareness, and I do have a business P three six five online coaching where I program people. You know, which I thought would just be in the UK, but it's been. This is the power of social media. We've got people from Colombia, Kuwait, wow. Dubai. It's absolutely incredible. So in essence, well, you could say that my my social media platform is feeding into that. So um, I think Gary Vaynerchuk had a had a book. Oh, you uh, like Gary? Yeah, I like Gary Vaynerchuk Gary as well. V. Yeah, yeah, Gary um, V. Yeah. Jab, jab, right hook. And yeah. in essence, the jabs could be deemed my Instagram free content and the right hook every now and again could be okay I've actually got you've seen my content you've seen you know the value that I could potentially bring you why not let's go a step further and actually add some structure that, to your training and that awareness for you as well you, you can lead you to the odd kind of really affluent client as well doesn't it which I suppose is a, is a bonus for, for you guys which is what Gary Vaynerchuk talks about is that whole kind of like give value give marketing mm. it's about getting attention and then and then it sort of flows the, the money will flow after the attention that's it and that's been my golden golden rule and I, I speak to any young coach about this is don't chase the money yeah. add value keep that as your goal if that's not your goal you're in the wrong profession um, you know if you keep adding value then doors will open if you keep influencing people in a positive light get results and generally want to help people then you will make money from it eventually at, at certain points because certain doors will open and, and they'll be the right doors yeah and those, those days of keeping knowledge too much closed in yeah. is kind of gone aren't they a little bit you have to you have to present yourself and, mm. and kind of create an audience you do that on uh, performance 365 on instagram uh, very well dan it's been a been a pleasure mate thank you oh, for having me in your flat and i'm glad you <laughs> i'm glad you survived the motorbike crash and you, you're getting full flexion in the knee now as well and on, onwards and upwards uh you got any boxers at the moment you're working to working for big dates yeah we've got a few again cheers for having me on ed it's been been a pleasure um john Ryder's <sighs> You know, hopefully, going to have something coming up. I can't say too much, but hoping to yeah. find something out of the next. Well, he spoke to us exactly the same thing. Yeah, right? hopefully, have something on the next 48 hours. So, watch this space on that one. He, no one deserves a big fight more than John, I'm telling you. Lovely guy. Um, Connor Ben's out on April the 20th, um, which is his comeback from hand surgery. We've got Joe Cordina fighting Townend for the British title on the 20th as well, April the 20th at the O2. Uh, Martin J. Ward's still looking for a date. John Doherty um, has just had a fight out over in Peterborough. Um, he yeah. hasn't got a date as of yet, but he'll be back in action very soon. They're turning him over very quickly. He's 4-0 and at the moment, a real prospect. Um, I think that's that's all of them for now. Well, actually. Dan, you could be uh, Eddie Hearn there, like a little <laughs> really that off promoting those events. It's awesome. <laughs> uh, mate, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you. Brilliant. Likewise. Cheers, Ed. Yeah, check out Dan on social media. If you've stumbled across this podcast, uh, new to this, I'm Ed Draper, a sports broadcaster in the UK. Uh, Ed Draper, 81 on Instagram and Twitter. Hope you enjoyed it. Give it a rate on iTunes and elsewhere if you did, or even if not, be honest, and I'll, uh, I'll speak to you soon. Cheers, guys.